from the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. I'm Rendon Hunt. And you're in the hunt. Welcome, welcome, welcome. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to unpack that. The only reason I said unpack is Wesley hates it when people say <laughs> say unpack. Let me unpack Let me this. Unpack. It's, it's one of those things that people do to sound smarter. It's, it's that, it is not that consultant talk. Uh, could you help me unpack that? It's people always. It's, uh, yeah, it's, where are you going? It's the go-to. Where, where are you going? You're not going it's, it's just suitcase. Just keep that packed up. Just keep it packed up. Keep and tell me what up. you want. I don't. You will need that. But we, as you think about love your neighbor as yourself. It's one of those things that it's easy for us to talk specifically about loving your neighbor, but we don't think about the second clause as much as we should. And that's the idea of the extent to which you love yourself is the ceiling to which you can love your neighbor. Absolutely. So if you don't love yourself, if you don't have respect for yourself, uh, then loving your neighbor as yourself is not going to be complimentary in any way. Yeah. And one of the things that, that we talk frequently about is the idea of simplicity in life. And when you look at the teachings in the gospel of Jesus or or any other faith base, there's this idea that comes up of the complexity lies in the simplicity. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, sometimes these things in life are so easy. Like the concept is so easy that we struggle to put forward all these different pieces to make it more complex, to fit it in a way that we want it to be. We want these things to be more complex. And less is more, oftentimes. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the Occam's razor idea, yeah. right? The idea that the, the simplest version of things or the simplest solution it's is likely probably. the best solution. Yes. And so as we think about the idea of, of loving your neighbor as yourself and that being in many ways a cornerstone of, of many faith traditions, really the idea of how do we feel about ourselves, what does that mean, and then more broadly, who is our neighbor, right? I mean, and those are the things that we, that we delve into. As you think about the simplicity of things, I see it oftentimes with my kids. I have two kids. One is more talented in perhaps the arts and language and stuff, my daughter Esther, my son Wright is more talented in buffoonery. And just be, yeah, that too. Just being, just Wright being is more just, physically <laughs> talented. And now it's funny. I don't even really good at being. I don't even call him Wright right now. He's in this this phase right now where I need to call him Darth because he's watching Star Wars. So do I have to call him Darth too? I'm not calling my nephew Darth. <laughs> Darth. I'm not it's doing like, it. Like, it's like, it's like yes, my, I will. Yes, yeah, I will. Yeah, that's what he I'll wants. Call, I'll call him whatever. Call him whatever. Wants. It's kind of like I'm gonna call him Clay. I'm gonna call him Clay. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. With 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 Esther, it was like the phase she went through with Elsa in Frozen, where she was going to this little preschool, and the teachers would send us notes home every day and say, hey, you know, Esther's doing well on X, Y, Z, but these are some areas that she can develop. And she had this phase where she would only go by Elsa from Frozen. So we would get home and we would say, hey, Esther, 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 Elsa, yes? (laughs) This is great. (laughs) And so that's where Wright kind of is with Darth. But the reason I bring them up is trying to get them to explain the way that they do things well is incredible. So Esther has figured out how to draw things in three dimensions. So she drew this bunny that had a flap of an ear. And I can't even draw things in three dimensions. You never could. No. (laughs) No. You're the worst artist ever. 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 I remember when Esther would bring home like Scribble stuff when she was two, and I was like, it's way better than I've ever seen Rinton do. <laughs> like, yes, dude. Like, I should, clearly did not get it from me. And I asked her one time, I just asked her, how did you write that or draw that in three dimensions? And it was just, 
she was trying to explain something to me, and it was like me trying to explain physics to her. Yeah. It's like, well, it's easy. If you just look at it from this perspective, this perspective, I was like, wow, I just can't understand that. Yeah. But to, in her mind, it was so simple. Yeah. And, and for Wright, watching a three-year-old swing a golf club yeah. and a baseball bat better than I can with intangibles, he, he simplified it so much in his mind. When I ask him how he swings, it's just, well, yeah, you just, I just swing, I just the, swing the, the ball's there, right? Yeah. And, and that's, in many ways, that's what we miss out on our culture in terms of just thinking about the simplicity of some of the things in our lives. And we see this in our world all the time right now where we just don't step back and say, how do you just be a good person to people? So we're seeing a lot of that today, a lot of the consternation and a lot of the bickering and a lot of the dissent that we're seeing right now stems from people trying to make things way too complicated and to bring it back to what you were talking about with right to swing in a golf club and he does it naturally it's just as simple as be nice to people love your neighbor like yourself that's all and what you're finding out what we were finding out is that actually people don't love themselves <laughs> and so what's happening is that they are projecting their disdain for themselves onto other people and sadly they don't realize that it's not because the other person has a different political view than you it's because you are so dissatisfied with yourself that it's almost as if you want to bring somebody down with you absolutely misery loves company misery loves company and even you know while i was running and i was talking about this in the first episode about us you know getting very close throughout this whole process and me losing some friends you start to realize that again, people aren't interested in your success because they are so focused on their own personal downfalls. So how can we use this platform to help people understand that it's okay to love yourself? Hey, It's okay to love your faults. And what, our, what we are conjecturing is that should you do that, then you'll probably treat other people better. And I don't mean love yourself. We don't mean love yourself in a, in a conceited way. Huh. Not not I love myself because I'm so good at everything. Huh. It's it's more it's more of a it's more of a like God talks about an agape love thing. It's yeah. more of a bigger love of yourself, a bigger love of mankind. And then once that happens, we can start having more substantive conversations about how to heal and about how to get better. Yeah. Also, we don't have to agree. We don't have to think alike all the time. Mm-hmm. How about we seek to understand one another? But again, if the barrier is self-hate, self-loathing, yes, th- then you're never going to get across that bridge. Well, I mean, life is a mirror, right? Yes. Because so many of the things that, that frustrate us the most in life, and hell, we see this as parents all the time, the deficiencies that we see in others are the deficiencies that we see loathe about ourselves. Yes. Right? And, and it's that whole idea of, the opposite of, of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy, Isn't right? Apathy. So these same things that we see, the, the same thing that whether you're on the far right or the far left, you see something that I can't stand, that that person does X, Y, Z and can't see things in the way that I see them. You, you can't stand it because you've realized that you have the inability to see Super things thing. in the way that others can see them. Like whenever people get to the point, it's, it's one of the things that, that just – that, that gets to me at the, the, the crux of the issue, it really gets to me. Whenever I hear people say, I don't see how people could blank. You, you've lost it. You're not paying attention. You've lost it. You don't want to learn. You're, 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 you are already seeking to condemn. You've lost it. Yeah, you're not even interested. I can't, I don't understand how people, or, or you see it especially on social media now, it's, when everybody, whenever people decide that they want to give their sermon on the mount on social media, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's those ones you have to click through on Facebook. So if you have a, an iPhone 11 or older, it's you know, like, it's yeah, you like, get you get a, you get a third of it in the scene. Meanwhile, we're both sitting there like, how do you have time? Do you for have this? a job? Do you work? <laughs> like, like, how do you how so do you do this? You're, you're clicking through, and it and it always starts off with. I usually don't post on Facebook, but okay, but so that, that's how, that's how it starts okay. off. Insert high horse. <laughs> like, and, then, and then you get the paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of my opinion on this, 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 this. And then you get to the crescendo at the end. And the crescendo at the end is, 
if I've offended anybody or you don't really like the way I look at things, just unfriend me now. How self-righteous is that? Like how self-righteous? Like, like, like if, if you agree, if you don't agree with me, or or if you or if you think what I said is stupid, don't be my don't friend. Remember. Think about my that. My seven-year-old wouldn't do that. Think about that. My yes. seven-year-old wouldn't do that. Yes. It, it, to your point, there's there's also this piece because I do think that in our culture, when we think about loving ourselves, look, there's an extreme to this yeah. for sure. Yeah, every everything in moderation. Yeah. And when I think about an experience that I had where where I probably took it a little bit too far. So when I lived in San Diego, you, t- you take things too far from time to time. <laughs> from time to time. When I lived in San Diego, I, I got, I love comedy. And and at the time, my roommate, his name's Mike, he was doing some stand-up comedy. Yeah, this is going to be good. And so we would. Anytime Mike comes into conversation. Yeah, anytime, anytime Magic Mike comes so into like conversation. It's like adding tequila to the party. It's good, know? man. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like strict tequila shots whenever you start bringing up It's Mike. good. It's, Mike's good. It's good. So Mike and I were were looking at different comedy shows to go to and unfortunately he was we were on the same ship for some time and we weren't on the same ship so I was at home and he was out to sea so I'm looking at different comedy shows that I could go to and I saw that Charlie Murphy rest in peace Charlie Murphy one of the funniest comedians of all time Charlie Murphy Charlie Murphy Charlie Murphy was was going to be at one of the Indian casinos uh, just north of, of, of San Diego. And it's even funny to say Indian casinos. Like, people choose to be offended. Indian, you mean Native American casinos? Like, like, no, that's what they're called. They're Indian casinos. Like, they, they, it's, it's an Indian casino, okay? So, so it's this crazy times, right? Like, relax, relax. Um, so, Charlie Murphy was playing at this casino, and this is at the height of his fame. This is when Chappelle's show was jumping off, and this is where, you know, at a time where people were probably watching a little bit more Charlie Murphy than even Eddie Murphy at the time. So I decided to to get tickets to this show, and because it was at this little cheap casino, and this is something that I learned in Detroit as well, you know, you can get front row tickets to stuff for really cheap at these small casinos. But then you also have to think about, everybody thinks that after these R&B artists or comedians after they're done with their careers people just think they leave and become accountants no they can't do that they're like not. no like like Brian McKnight <laughs> can only can only it, like 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 he, boys to men still is on tour what's what's Juan Gay gonna do at this point yeah <laughs> and doing? people act like they're surprised they're like oh my gosh boys they, to men still, still on tour? tour what else are they going to it's do like, dude they're he's so- not a tech startup <laughs> guy now I mean <laughs> he didn't he didn't open his own <laughs> restaurant right. he sings like that's, he sings for a living does. that's what he's been doing since he was in elementary school right and so I get these tickets for and and me and a a friend of mine went to go see went to go see Charlie Murphy and in this casino they had clubs and stuff like that so I was getting ready to go and in the hubris and overconfidence of the moment I thought man I'm gonna put on my seersucker suit for this you put on a seersucker suit and set front row with Charlie Murphy when you put it like that, I mean, let's, let's think about this. Like, you know you're going to get roasted. I had on a seersucker suit. <laughs> you know you're going to get roasted. And it wasn't even blue seersucker. It was brown seersucker. Oh, gosh. With brown boat shoes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, like, like a little little fitted V-neck under it. I mean, I, I was I was ready one, to go. Did you have on a fedora as well? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but I had a fresh fade, though. Okay. I had just gotten back from the barbershop. Who and cares so, about your favorite? You have this brown seersucker suit. No one cares Nobody about cares. the face. Nobody cares. So I get there, and it's it's one of those moments where you just realize, man. I now when I talk about it, it's of course pretty obvious, but you realize you just you just overdid it with the with the confidence, right? Yes. You just overdid it. Like yeah. you're going to a comedy show. This is San Diego. It's like Cam Newton. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like Cam Newton. Yeah. 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 The shoes were okay. You didn't have to put on the fedora with the ostrich feather in it. Maybe even just the fedora, but, but with the ostrich and the feather. really tight pants. Like, 
It's a lot. It's a lot. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's confidence. You can't look at other people like they're weird. Yeah. If they, you knew it was a lot when you put it on. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not. And, and look, not criticizing. And like I'm I said, just, like I knew it was a lot when I put that suit on. Okay. And so we get there. We sit in the front row. They have a couple of stand-up comedians. And, you know, I could see them scanning the audience, but none of them really got to me. So the guys who opened, I could see them scanning me, and they're like, mm, but they just couldn't come up with something. So, But I could see them looking at me in the front. And then Charlie Murphy comes in. He's got that Charlie Murphy smile and walks in. <laughs> doesn't even get to the center of the stage. <laughs> doesn't even get there. Stops. Points at me. What the are you wearing? <laughs> Full stop, right? Full stop. And so I'm thinking like and that's one of those one of those situations where I look back on that very mild description of something that happened, but yeah, that was too far. It was just yeah. You should have checked yourself. It was too far. It was, it was too far. And Mike's not your friend, by the way. <laughs> he shouldn't have let you because he lets you do that. Well, he wasn't with me though. Yeah, he was out. Okay, to see. He, yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he was out. Okay. He wouldn't have let. Well, yeah, yeah, he would let he, you. He probably would have let you do that. <laughs> he probably would have put on a matching with you. He would have let, let me do that. But 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 I mean, there is this, there's this point to where we can take things too far. Yeah. But then at the same time. Having self-confidence in owning who you are is also important. Is so important because what I see constantly in in culture, and especially being a parent right now to two young kids, is we continuously try to force people to be like someone else. We see somebody good. Oh man, he's the next Jordan. Oh man, he's the next Tom Brady. There is no bigger insult that you can give somebody than telling them they're the next somebody. Because it cuts off all the things in them that might be better than that person. That's right. It strips away their individuality. So, you know, this is the beauty that I think of West Point. This is my favorite aspect about the Academy, actually, is you, you touched on the mirror aspect. And life is a mirror in understanding what you see and not being self-aggrandizing or, or not um, showing a lack of understanding of what is, but understanding and knowing and being confident in what you see. And also, and also, it's a realistic view that others will see as well. West Point has an uncanny way of stripping you down and then building you back up. Yeah. And every single day at West Point, it's a constant reflection in the mirror because we, had, we, have, we have a three-grade system. You had an academic grade, you had a military grade, you had a, a, a physical grade. And obviously, you have strengths and weaknesses. You're better in some than in others. But every semester, you got to look in the mirror and see what you were getting better at, what you were getting worse at, what you needed to work on. And that was four years worth of putting a mirror up to you. So if you're not cleaning your room, if you're not making your bed, or if you're not, you know, getting up early enough to make formation on time, et cetera, et cetera, then that impacts your military grade. If you're not studying hard enough, right, if you're not, if you're not getting additional instruction, et cetera, then that impacts that grade. Or if you're not working out on a regular basis, then, then your physical grade declines. And at some point, you have to balance all of these things. And really, those are the three pillars of life, life. like mind, body, soul, spirit. It's, it's you know, physical, mental, and, and discipline. That's why I think West Pointers come out with a pretty good understanding of who they are as individuals. I won't say all of them because yeah, Lord yeah, knows yeah. we have some. Yeah, yeah, turds everywhere, man. <laughs> There's always a turn to punch bowl. Yeah, man. yeah, everywhere. Right? everywhere. But, but, I like the fact that it forces you to be an, a relatively well-rounded people, and you have an idea of exactly where you are. Yeah. You have an idea of exactly where you're graduating your class. You have an idea on what your military rank was. You have an idea on how well you're going to do in the future, what grad schools you're going to get into. And you learn that between the ages of 18 and 22, and it sets you up for the rest of your life. Yeah. Also, when you talk about going into military training right after that, now you have to go lead people. Yeah. I tell you what, if you don't love yourself and you can't and you don't have the self-confidence there, and self I mean, leading other people... <laughs> But, but a lot of that goes, goes to, too, Wesley, to your point, there's so many, if you distill life down to improving yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically, 
when you focus on doing that, you are happier and more confident. Yes. The easy way to get dissuaded is when you're not focused on your own self-improvement and getting better and being the best version of, of Wesley yourself, Hunt of yourself. or Rendon Hunt. Yeah. When you're focused on being, for lack of a better term, bootleg versions of other people, yes. you'll never be happy. Yeah. You'll never be happy because you'll never get there. Yeah. Right? I mean, at, at, at some level, it's those people that, that I really feel for are people who have kind of quit. And that's on any one of those three pillars, right? Yeah. People who have let themselves go. Yeah. Dad bod, right? As we say, hey, hey, man, dad bod, not right? Playing, not playing that game. It, 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 they've, they've let themselves go. Yeah. And it's that, that idea of we understand when you go back to the simplicity of life, we understand some of the things that we need to do to improve ourselves in those areas. Yes. But do you, but do you want to do them? And I'm going to touch on this, too. The issue is, is that the reason why people let themselves go, not just physically, but, you know, they stop reading. They stop, they stop intellectually stimulating themselves. They stop doing all these things because oftentimes people are doing it for other people. Ooh. So the reason why you let yourself go is because you were never doing it or you were never working out or you were never reading for self-improvement. You were doing it for somebody else. Don't go work out for somebody else. Don't go work out for your husband or for your wife. Work out for yourself. So you can be a better version to yourself and then to your children and then to your spouse. Yeah. On the airplane, what do they say? You put your mask on first. Hey. And then you put the mask on of everybody else that can't do it for, for young people, for the, for the young littles. And why? Because if you pass out, then, then it doesn't matter. Yes. And that's how you also show the example for the next generation. You know, as somebody who has kids, like that's how you show the example for the next generation. I had a, a situation it's a, a couple years back at, at work where, you know how I am. If there's a dress code at work or for a certain place, I'm always going to be one notch above that dress code. Better to be overdressed than underdressed. There's a number of reasons. Part of that is the own personal baggage I have, right? Being the only person who has this beautiful chocolatey skin in the room, yeah. I don't want to be the person that. I mean, I'm chocolate. You're more. You're more of a car caramel kind of. Yes. Yes. I, I, I think I. Potato. Whatever. Potato. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Potato. Potato. Whatever. So, when you're in a room and you're already used to being different, I don't want to be the one also known for being different and, and being underdressed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with being the being the the one who's overdressed or who carries themselves in a higher way. And I had this moment that was that was really funny. I was I have always gotten to work really early because I am a morning person. And I was in office really early and I had a boss of mine who was in the office as well. And this was on a day where we had early kind of an early dismissal if you look at it in a school, but we weren't going to be at the office a full day, but I was dressed up in a coat and tie and it wasn't a formal office setting more of a business casual type of setting and I wasn't going to be in there the whole day I thought I was going to be the only person in the office but you know there's somebody else in the office and a person kind of came up to me and said hey man like like you didn't have to dress up to to, to be in the office there's not, not going to be anybody here do you have any meetings I didn't dress up for you <laughs> bro <I> didn't <laughs> Oh, I bet you, you think the you song think, is about you. You think I do this <laughs> for, for you? you. <laughs> I mean, look, work, pride working home during the during the pandemic. Let me tell you two things that are on point in my house: my cologne game. Hell yeah, you walk around smelling good. And my candle game. Hell yeah. I, I don't care if if anybody doesn't smell that my office smells like fresh balsam. <laughs> I. I care about it. I don't care if they smell the, the Tom Ford Noir on me. I don't, I don't care. It's the Eau de Parfum. I, I think it smells really good. Yeah. Right? So there's this idea, to your point, of, of who are we doing things for. And even as a parent, this gets perhaps even more amplified because I my daughter's asking me constantly, when, when I see different things, she asks, hey, do you think that's cool? And it's, it's seeking approval. Yes. Do you think it's cool? I'm like, 
doesn't matter if, if I think it's cool. Do you think it's cool? Yeah. And you own it. Yes. That's a good, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a life lesson that I think we have got to get out of. And right now we live in the Instagram, social media world to where pe- if you go out and watch people eat dinner these days, sadly, or even out and about or at the beach, or at, they aren't even enjoying being in nature. They aren't even enjoying the sun. They are so focused on getting this perfect Instagram pic for everybody else to enjoy that they're missing the joys of life. And so we have a greater challenge because we didn't have that growing up. I mean, when we went to the beach, you're at the beach. That's it, full stop. There's nothing else to do. And now just constantly, all these people just this, this, constantly. Yeah. And you're missing the world around you. Yes. And if you were really interested in enhancing yourself, you would soak up that moment for yourself and really enjoy it and really internalize it regardless of what other people might see or think. Absolutely. And and think about how much of our time we spend, and I really saw when you were running for office, and this is one of the things that that just rocked me to my core and was really hurtful. How much do we hate on people that are trying to do great things? Yeah. (laughs) Because in the social media environment that we're in today, we always put our best foot forward so every picture has to be perfect, p- perfectly cropped. Like, oh, you know, my butt looks too big in this picture. My my arms don't look big my enough girl, in this picture. I my butt. <laughs> you know, like, like we, we have these perfectly curated everything, yeah. and that and that's the image that we want to convey and and put out of ourselves. And the second somebody is trying to do something positive, we just want to tear them down because it makes us feel better. Like, once again, it's a deficiency. We we'll, we feel like we're not doing enough in life. So we want to tear the person down who's making those strides to at least try to do something and change things. It's the reason I hate one of the worst things for, for, for me to, to watch. The concept I love, other pieces of it and the ancillary things I hate, beauty competitions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> have you, if you want to be really depressed, look at a beauty pageant while a, while a big time beauty pageant or Victoria's Secret show is on. Look at social media while that's happening, and to watch these you people. Victoria, you said Victoria's Secret. I mean, I, I've heard that, I've heard that they I've had never, shows. I've heard, I've heard they have the angels. I've heard their shows every year. <laughs> they wear wings. I've heard. I've heard. I've I haven't heard. seen it. Rumor um, has it that. But anyway, rumor has c- it that. Continue. My wife watches it. Yeah, so I, <laughs> mine too. I've never, I've never, I've seen, never it. seen it. Before. You know, I think it's been on the background one time, but I, I've, I've never seen I've it. I've never seen it. So. Think about when when those things are on. If you look at social media, the deluge of hate that's coming out. Oh, some of these girls need a sandwich. I know what. What? Like this person's at the top of their game. Like why are you? Why are you hate? You know how much work that these people. Why are you hating? Or or if you if you look at beauty competitions, it's always hilarious (laughs) to me. Haters. You know. It's a hate tax, man. Everybody. It's a hate tax. We'll talk about the hate tax. Everybody talks about, first of all, we don't respect what people can do. And I've told you this uh, time in and time out. Even sitting on a podcast and us being able to have a conversation for an hour, an hour and a half, however long this is going to last, that's a hard thing to do. Not everybody has a skill set to be able to just have a conversation like that fluidly. Now, we're fortunate we grew up together. We, we share, share brain. brain, all this kind of stuff. We're yeah. fortunate on that. Like, a share brain at the same time yeah. as those neurotransmitters yeah. that came it's across. There. It's there. It's there. So, but it's easy to hate on people that do something that, that is beyond our scope or, or our realm of reality. I always find it funny in these beauty competitions. Everybody assumes that if I put you on the spot and ask you an unbelievably provocative question with, 50 million viewers across the country that you're going to give the most concise, put-together answer possible. Yeah. So they literally take these women who are unbelievably beautiful, who have wonderful talent, who are intelligent. I'm like, and you play the violin? And, they, and, then, and then you and you, can and then you And then you put them in a sound booth yeah. while they're watching other people, getting nervous as can be, watching other people answer questions, you take the headphones off and you say, I have a question for you. 
in two minutes or less, explain to me how we can solve world, world hunger. Peace. World peace. World hunger. Yeah. Go. <laughs> and then they come up with an answer that's half-baked, and everybody blows up. See? See? She's stupid. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, wow. are you kidding me? Yeah. So one thing, one thing that I've learned over time, and this is where I think we have a really special relationship as well, is because, so like when you win, I win. I don't, there, there's not a single hint of jealousy. I, I, when you do something great, I, I am 100% elated. And I've discovered that I've applied that rule to just about everybody in my oh. life. It's so much easier. It's so much easier to be genuinely happy and compliment somebody, and then don't get jealous. Allow that to motivate you to go do something great as well. Yes, it takes ten times more energy to spew hate and jealousy towards somebody than to look at them and say, "Congratulations, man! That's awesome!" And that's how you know you've made a step in life. Yeah. When you can genuinely be happy for people without any pretense or any, when you can genuinely say, man, I'm really happy it worked out for somebody. That's it. Like, it's kind of like in relationships, right? With breakups and things like that. You know how you're really over a relationship? Well, you don't, yeah. When you really desire, hey man, I share, I hope, I I share it time works out. with that person. I hope it works out. I hope out. that you get everything yeah. that, that you desire in life because I spent time with you and and I think you're a good person and it didn't work out between us. But I really hope but I, I really, really hope wish you the best. That it works out for you. Who's but your neighbor? But genuinely. Genuinely. Like 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 not like not that well I hope it works out for you. Like yeah. I, I'm not no, no eye roll, no side eye, no. nothing. Like really I hope it works out for you. And I may not talk to the person or we may not have a relationship. Doesn't matter. But I really hope genuinely that it works out. Yes. And it's so much easier. It's so much easier to do that. Yeah. It's less stressful. It, it actually breeds positivity in your own life. It breeds positivity to those around you. It's better. But you have to get there emotionally. And that's hard to do. It's very hard to do. Particularly in these times. I got, I got a good story for you. It's actually one of my favorite campaign, campaign stories. Because last week you talked about your Axel Rose story and, <laughs> and hearts can change. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing yeah. lasts forever. <laughs> we, all, we, we both know, know hearts can change. Hearts can change. Great. <laughs> and people have to grow to get to the point to where they can actually accept what we're trying, what we're proposing right now about genuinely being happy for other people. But people have to change themselves, and people can. This is one of my favorite stories on the, uh, on the uh, campaign. I had an event. And a young man walked up to me and said, hey, I don't want to make you feel comfortable, but, but I want to tell you something. He said, my grandfather lives in, lives in this district, and he's going to vote for you. And my grandfather, and he also sent you some money. And he said, my grandfather used to be a racist. Mm. He told me that Wesley Hunt is the first black candidate he's ever supported and voted for. He supports him 100%. He said, there was a time where I would never have supported somebody like Wesley, no matter what, because I didn't think that black people um, should lead in this country. Hmm. Grandfather said this. Wow. Guy hands me, calls his grandfather, hands me the phone. The man is almost in tears and just says, thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you for your service. You have my support. It would not have always been the case in my life, but I'm so proud to know that I can support someone like you. Wow. It's a true story. Wow. So are we going to judge this person based on, based on 20, 30, you know where I'm going with this, mm. based on 20, 30, 40 years ago? Or are we going to allow this person to reflect on his life, look in the mirror, correct what he saw, and then we gave him an opportunity to support someone like me? And he didn't do it for, yeah. uh, this is white guilt or this. It's just like, no, here's somebody that I agree with, and I am not going to let the color of his skin preclude me from supporting him. Are we willing to give people room to grow? Yeah. Right? And we see it in, in our culture all the time, and it's it's at the root of cancel culture. It's at the root of going back to, to somebody's past and digging deeper. Look, sometimes people's past is not only their past, but it's their present. 
Hey man, everybody has a past. Yeah, hey. <laughs> there's there's some people that will never grow up. That's true. You have to recognize that too. Some people's past is not their past, it's their present. And if those people are in your life, sometimes you, you got to move on. You got to move on. You got to move on. But for some people, it is in their in their past. It's it, it's who yeah. they were. Another example with uh, when I lived with Mike. Oh man! Right, and and, and yeah, Mike Mike is Mike is the best. Mike is uh, <laughs> Mike. Mike just got out of the Navy. He was a Navy SEAL. His father was a Navy SEAL as well. He's awesome. He's guy. a service warfare officer in the Navy with me. Just a fantastic awesome guy. guy. And, and we were we were roommates, and we lived in what became known as the Bat Cave. Uh, I've been I, to the Batcave. Batcave is awesome. Uh, I was never, I was downtown San Diego. I never forget the Batcave. I never forget the Batcave. I, I was Batman. Uh, yeah. The Batmobile was my BMW Z3, yeah. uh, and Mike, who was doing stand-up comedy, was the Joker at the time. So still is a lot. Of, uh, still a Joker. Joker Riddler. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One of one of the two. Yeah, yeah. Still great times. Uh, certainly were had in the Batcave. When we were in the Batcave. Mike got into a, a serious relationship that would end up lasting years. And there was a piece of me, he gets into this relationship, like we're hanging out all the time. Yeah. We're living in this awesome bachelor pad in, in San Diego. And then he gets in a relationship. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I wasn't mature enough at the time to understand this, but I was, I was a hater. I was the odd man out. Right. It was it was it was it was a ridiculous thought. It's like I thought me and you were gonna hang out at the club, but I don't want her to come with us. Like it was it was it was ridiculous. And over the time that that, that, that he was with this young lady, and oh by the way, delightful, very nice person, very yeah. good person, delightful person. And over the time of their early relationship, I was just very cold to her. Because I, she wasn't a part of us. It wasn't, hey, it was supposed to be me and you hanging out. <laughs> what is this, like the Little Rascals? Are you like the He-Man Woman Hating Club, dude? Yes. It was, it was you're, very... So you're 25 years old, it, and you're a car-curing member of the He-Man <laughs> Woman Hating Club? It was, it was so... It was, and looking back on it, it was so ridiculous. But part of this was uh, was a mirror of myself. You walk you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Snoochie-boochies. Uh, it was it was it was ridiculous. So oh, so I was in this I was in this position where part of this is the mirror of myself. Yeah. If I was really honest with myself, I really wish that I was in a relationship yeah. with somebody really cool like that, that too. You liked it. Like yeah. I really I really wished I was there and I wasn't there. So in my mind, it was okay to almost try to sabotage his. And ironically. Years later, because, I mean, I wrestled with this over time. I mean, this guy is, is one of my best friends. And, and I felt that I, I sold him short by not putting everything not only into the relationship with him, but the relationship with somebody who he cared about, uh, too. Yeah. Right? I, I wasn't being... I, I don't think I was particularly when the when a young lady was delightful to be around. Oh yeah, she she's wasn't great. even she wasn't even mean. She no, wasn't even a, a bad person. It's just she she was great. Yeah. And fast forward years and years later, because we never really discussed it. Like Mike and I never really yeah. we really talked about it. Right. It just it just we just never really discussed it. And fast forward years later, I was in San Diego for a wedding, and I was like, hey, let's meet up and hang out. And at the time, uh, Esther had been born, so this was probably you know, eight, nine, eight, nine years later. Like, this is long. This is what we do that's stupid as guys, too. How could you keep this bottled up? Yeah. But most people are just not – they don't really have conversations about their feelings more, more broadly. Yes, particularly but, guys. Particularly guys. And so we, I see him at this bar, and – and we're we're hanging out, and I just poured my heart out, man. I'm like, hey, dude. How like, many how many beers in it? I just want to let you know. You poured your heart out. <laughs> poured it out <laughs> like a like an IPA in a in a pitcher on the beach. I poured my heart out. Uh, and and I, I told him it's like, hey, man, look, I just want to so let. So after you, you poured your heart out, did you watch the Notebook with him? <laughs> Sleep with Pearl Harbor. Pearl uh, okay. <laughs> Harbor, I get Navy guys, all you Navy Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So I, I told him, I, I said, look, man, I just want to let you know that I apologize yeah. for the way that I that I treated her because I don't think I was really 
I don't think it was really fair to her, and it had nothing to do with her. And here's where it becomes really funny. He's like, <laughs> was Mike like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he had this moment. It's like, oh so yeah, I didn't. <laughs> this moment was between Rendon and Rendon, for sure. I'm like, hey man, you know, and I don't feel like I was really fair to her, and I don't feel like, you know, I just felt like she was encroaching on Mike's our relationship. Mike's like. What? And he and he's like, all right, bro. <laughs> and, oh, and I'm orchestrating this thing because at the time he was still still dating her. Now he's happily happily married to to uh, someone else, and things worked out really well for him. Yeah. And I mean, I made it a point. I was like, I need to talk to her to tell her how I feel. And he's like, you can do it if you want, man. He's like, I, don't I didn't even think anything was weird. She always thought you were pretty cool, man. Had no clue. Yeah. But here's the piece, I think, of, of growth and development that, that really happened to the point that we were making before. I knew that I was holding back on a relationship, on growth. I knew that. I knew that I had more to offer him as a friend by accepting the person that, that he was with and developing a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. That was about me being able to understand who I am and to come to grips with the fact that I felt that I wronged somebody, right? Yes. And to come clean on it. And to forgive yourself, too, by and to the forgive, way. For, forgive myself for that. Because he right? didn't need it. He didn't need it. Clearly, she, clearly, clearly he, he didn't need it. She didn't need it either. Like, like when we had the conversation, she's like, yeah. she's like, I, I had no idea. So I've always thought you were okay. Like, you know, I, I had no idea. Like, we, we got along fine. But it was one of those things that even that specific thing in my life, in that moment, prevented me from being able to really love myself. Yes. It put a cap on the relationship that I could not only have with Mike, but but with this young lady as well. It put a cap on it because there was something that I wasn't willing to let go of, and it was something that prevented me from loving myself, which prevented me from being able to love my neighbor in the way that I should have been able to. Yeah, think about how many times and how many different relationships that this happens. And this is and was with family relationships, it's with friends, it's with even small acquaintances. You know, how often do we look at somebody and our our expectations aren't managed for ourselves? And so it takes a very strong willed person and a very strong minded person to first of all just admit that, number one, and then to actually do something about it is the next step. The Jesuits have a saying, prayer is good, do is better. It's really good to come to these conclusions, but then what are you actually going to do about it? So back to the example that you brought up with Facebook and, and people, <laughs> I, 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 I laugh so hard because you and I, are, you and I realize that. So I, I can't do that because I'm running for office and I'm going to run for office again and I have to be very careful, um, but obviously I see a lot of the chatter. Um, if, if, if you look at the people that do that, what are they going to do after potentially hearing this podcast? Are they going to just say, <laughs> are they going to just unfriend us? Which, which they might. Um, I've lost lots of, I've lost lots of friends over the course of the past two years. Right? Friends. It's like, it's, it's like, what do you say at Tuesday? He said, why on earth my friend? I've got lots of friends. I, I don't. don't. <laughs> right. <clears throat> But my hope is that people hear this and they say, we aren't saying, we aren't saying don't pontificate on Facebook. In fact, you should, because we're talking about it and I think it's funny. It's, yeah. it's pure entertainment for me. What I am saying is, is that that little disclaimer on the bottom, that's like, oh yeah, and if you don't like that, then, then poo-poo on you, you, and then you could just unfriend me if you don't disagree. Just, just kill that. Just kill that, yeah. Just kill that. You know, I, I, I had a moment... <laughs> one of those really good ones during your campaign where somebody just decided to flamethrow you and and it was one of one of our mutual friends on Facebook and I mean they just like yeah I mean they were like I I remember this one time when <laughs> when Wesley punched an infant in the face and it was like it was just like just, no, I didn't just, do that. just bringing true. up all this it's not true I mean it was, it was ridiculous right 
And so, and this was this was rare. I think this is certainly early on in the process because I actually did respond. Yeah. You know, Renda now would never respond to that. <laughs> but it was clearly early on in the process when I was still emotionally malleable and all of those things. Yeah. And so I sent this person a direct message. I was like, hey, like, you know, what's up? You know, we can we can jump on the phone and talk about this if you want. And this person went back. I understand if you want to unfriend me and stuff like I was like, no, nah, I don't want to unfriend, unfriend you. you. I'm just, just curious. You know, look, I mean, we've 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 shared life together in the past. I just want to know if you want to have a conversation about it. And it just it was it was so interesting because I got no feedback back from that. Yes. I sent my, my phone number like, hey, here's my personal number. Like, hey, call me between the times of X, Y, X. Nothing back. Crickets. No response. And so it, it really makes you think sometimes in life, how many times do we sabotage our own lives? Yeah. Do we just throw a bomb in our lives and say and, and, and give people these ridiculous requests, expecting them to not be able to meet up to those requests? But then if they do, how do we engage them? Yes. Like, are we creating an environment where we actually want to have an open discussion? The answer is no. No, not at all. We're not. No. And that's what has got to change. It's the ultimatum culture. Yes. And we're, we're going to have to get out of this. Yeah. If we're going to make any kind of progress whatsoever. It's the ultimate ultimatum culture, which then goes to the idea of, of the first clause of Mark twelve thirty one, like, love your neighbor. Yeah. And, and who is your neighbor? The idea that, that truly... Everyone is our neighbor. You know, whenever I'm every, with every human being, everyone is your neighbor. Whenever, whenever I'm with with my son, right? Whenever we go out and we're together, he continuously asks me, "Is that guy your brother?" Because when I run into people, I always say, "Brother or brother or brother." <laughs> <laughs> whenever I run into people. I'm always saying, hey, brother, hey, brother, hey, brother. It's very churchy of you, by the way. It is. It's very, it's very, it's very, it's very, it's southern, very southern Baptist. It's very deacony of, of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he asks, who's, who's my brother? Yes, that, that's the truth. Like, everybody is my brother in the same vein that everybody is your neighbor. And there's this whole idea, and it's a concept that we talk about quite frequently. It's the idea of, the master's level of this world is to treat people the way that you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. The PhD level is to treat people the way that they want to be treated. That, that's, that's hard to get there. But that, but that requires conversation. That requires getting to know somebody. That, that exactly. requires depth. That requires longer than a Facebook post or a Twitter feed. That requires actual human interaction to understand how somebody else ticks. Yes. And that's what we're missing. Yes. And, and part of the reason why we have, if disagreements are couched in respect, then you can have a friendship. You can have a relationship if it's couched in respect. If disagreement is not couched in respect, all you have is a problem. I got a, we have a mutual friend that I got, that I got a text from. That, that I felt like was completely condescending and it was completely ridiculous. And this is somebody that we've known, that I've, kn- that I've known for, for, for 20 years and, and, and didn't pick up the phone to even, to even call me, just, just fires off this half-baked, ridiculous text in the middle of, of my campaign and basically accusing me of being a bad person just because I'm a Republican. Now, I, which, again, we've discussed earlier. That's just ridiculous. See, if you sit and talk to somebody or listen to somebody, you can ascertain so much about them far beyond just their political party. The issue was not asking, how could you? The, the issue was asking, why do you? Yeah. How do we seek to learn? How do we seek to understand? And this person sends me this text, and I, and I, and I shared it with you, and you were apoplectic. You were incensed. I'll never forget it's it. It's like a $20,000 word, man. Yeah. <laughs> what's the point? But I see the dime of that money. <laughs> like, what's the point? What's the point of going to all these schools? You can't, you can't say apoplectic. You know what I'm saying, man? Um, and I think this is rooted in this point right here, and that's this person didn't even try to understand me. You've known me 
but you don't know me. But it's worse, Wesley. Because this person didn't leverage the relationship they already had. For, for 20 years worth. That's what's crazy about it. Like, didn't even think to leverage the relationship. That they, it's not like they had to build the relationship. No, it nowhere. was there. Just pick up the phone and call me. We could have a very good conversation. I guarantee you'll probably walk away with better understanding. Instead of right now, I'm like, I don't ever want to talk to this person again. Yes. I tell you, that was the, the benefit I felt of being a Republican in a Democratic administration as a presidential appointee. Yeah. Because I had the advantage of being, in blade parlance, a daywalker. Yeah. Still are. Because people will assume, well, like, hey, you're an appointee and you're black. You must be a Democrat. Like, that's the <laughs> assumption. So, right. you know, they, they say everything around me about how Republicans <laughs> are smelly and, and don't like people and all. They even say everything. Yeah, we should say everything around him. They and it's not going to bother him. He can't. So... But what I one of the, the best things that I got from that was, to your point, I built some great relationships with people that cared so much about this country. And I didn't have to agree with their vision of the country. I knew they cared about the country. But then they found out that your brother was a Republican, and it canceled you. And then they connected the dots. <laughs> no, no. And a lot of these people are, are, are people I who, I, who, I, who I'm very close with to this day. But the irony of it is, is that I really got an opportunity to meet them where they are and respect them, just like I would hope that people would take the opportunity to meet me where I am and respect me. And then we can have a relationship that is not only rooted in finding ways to disagree, but finding things that we can, we can agree. agree on. Or if we do disagree, understanding where the other person is coming from. Exactly. There's a, there is a, a teacher from the high school that, that, that we attended that I was speaking to a couple of years ago. She said something to me that was just, that was very uh, disappointing. Hmm. Um, we were talking, and again, I don't, this was before I ran for office, so I, I, she, I think she assumed that I was, that I was also a Democrat. She, made, she, she makes this comment. She goes, yeah, I don't have any friends that are Republicans. I don't, I don't have any friends on Facebook. I don't have any friends that are Republicans. And I looked at her, and I was like, Sorry to hear that. I have lots of friends that are Democrats. How open-minded of you. How open-minded. <laughs> How progressive of you. That, that you literally can't even have or have a conversation with a single person that doesn't agree with you in lockstep ideologically. Oh, how woke of you. How, She's, how I, can you ever grow in that way? You can't. You insulate yourself with everyone who thinks like you. And then... We do things like, well, let's start. Well, well, since since the liberal media has, has has taken over and they're canceling everybody, we're going to start Parlor. Okay, so you're going to start something and message people that you already agree with 100 percent of the time. So you're not going to learn anything. <laughs> the only thing you've just done is taking your TP and then put it in another tribe, but it's still the same tribe. <laughs> right? No, it's it's that old story about about. Uh, <laughs> about Abraham Lincoln doing speeches to, to abolitionists. Yes. And Frederick Douglass going around and they're talking to the abolitionists. <laughs> yeah. And one of the abolitionists gets up and goes, you don't have to convince me that this is a good idea. <laughs> you need to talk to those guys that own slaves. <laughs> like, you don't have to convince me. We know. And, and, and that's, you know, I, I think that therein lies the beauty of learning through teaching, coaching, or defending your own position. Yes. How much do you really know about your own position until it's peppered? Yes. And quite frankly, how much do you really know about yourself yes. until you're peppered? That's what was great about going through that process of the election with you. And I told you very early on, and I, I feel very fortunate to be in this position because you have to go through, you have to eat, you know, the, the turd sandwich. And I get to sit there and say, <laughs> well, you know, these are the ways that I think about it. You know, I get to, I get to use all these things, all those uh, old... <laughs> 
All those montages that old people say that don't really make sense. Yeah. Well, if octopus puts ink on you, then I guess it's going <laughs> to swim away through the ocean. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you know, so I get, I have the benefit. Sometimes if a samurai cuts you with a sword, you're going to bleed. <laughs> sure. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for that. So, I mean, I, I'm in a position where, where I get to have those conversations with you, but I remember when this first started out and you were first starting to run, and once again, not having to deal with it as closely and personally as you, yeah. I said, man, I think you're lucky. You know? I, I remember that. I, I think you're really lucky. Most people in this world have no idea that they are in 100% transactional relationships with other people. Yeah. They don't even know. Most people in this world have no idea that they are completely loved conditionally yes they have no idea that if they have another political opinion or choose to raise their kids in a different way or choose to follow a different faith faith tradition they make this assumption in their lives that the people in their lives will go with it and be cool with it yes and they are wrong they are wrong very wrong and what you experienced in running for office is (laughs) you have seen the truth Yes. And you've seen the truth on two ends. And the truth shall set, set you, you free. free. You've seen the truth on two ends. On one end, the people who are supportive and down with you, you have a better idea of who those people really are. Peter Tips. Yeah. David Tips. Yeah. May not see the world the same way, may not agree eye to eye, but they're friends. Yeah. They're your real friends. Yeah. Those other people who in many ways felt like they were laying in wait for a reason to discredit you, then reaching out for a reason to understand you, you won, man. They're out of your life. They're gone. You won. Most most people don't have the joy of being able to see that. What a blessing. And then also, I'm continuing this truck, too. So I was on Fox News this morning. So now you have to really be confident and own who you are and understand your beliefs and have conviction about them because I was I was on Fox on, on MLK Day last week. I was on Fox this morning. And I am speaking to the world, essentially. Yeah. I'm speaking to the world, and I have to be very confident in what I believe and sound in my arguments and understand why I believe and feel the way I feel. It's a, it's a two-year process, but as you said, I wish everyone can go through this. Yeah. Yeah. Because you find out exactly what you're worth. You find out exactly who you are. You find out exactly, do you really believe in duty, honor, country, or not? And it gives you empathy. It does. Because once again, it does. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is that person who's hating on you, too. Brendan. And and, that's, and, and I understand why, why they're hating. We are in the same place, but I understand it. Yes. And I want the best for them, too. I do, too. I want the best for them. I do. Too. And I think that's where, where it gets so dangerous in our culture is we somehow have morphed things to believe that others fundamentally don't want the same things that we want. Yes. And I'll say this. I parent far differently from the way that we were parented. Yes. Some, in certain ways, yeah. There's some similarities, though, too, I've seen. Sure. A lot of similarities. But here's the thing. Becoming a parent... What I've realized is there is nothing that our parents did that wasn't rooted in them trying to create a better future for us. I agree. Even when they screwed up. I agree. Even when they screwed up. And I screw up a lot, too, as a parent. But even when I screw up, it's it's coming from a place of love and And not a place of hate. And you recognize that. Yeah. So one thing that I do every day— for baby Victoria, my little one. I was about to say, one thing you do every day is clearly lift. Yeah, got I mean, any tips? You know, you know I, I, got, got I, got few, I got a few tips. Got any tips? I got a few tips. <laughs> uh, is every day I say she's beautiful. I do the same thing for Esther whenever I see Esther. I tell Esther, you're the prettiest girl in the world. And when I, when I, and we're talking about parenting, I do that to start to reinforce the idea of your own personal self-worth and loving yourself and re and reinstilling that yes, I am pretty. Now she's you know she's t- she's not even two yet. Yeah. Tell this every single day. 
And I think as parents, it's important for us to start talking about this in a very open way about loving yourself so that you can love your neighbors, yeah. so that you can be your own person. I love that you tell Esther, I don't, don't ask me if I think it's cool, do you think it's cool? Yeah. And if you think it's cool, then tell me why you think it's cool and explain it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's how we start to build the self-esteem that our children are going to need here for the future. Because if you think that this is, you know, you know, cancel culture now with what we see with social media, it's only going to be worse. And these children have got to be stronger to withstand that. Absolutely. Our parents never told us that we were we were good looking every day. But I told you, Wesley. <laughs> Don't make it not true. <laughs> Don't make it not true. Doesn't mean it ain't true. <laughs> Well, because I also feel like they didn't have to. It was a different time. Yeah. It was a different time. Fair. And how we adapt for the future and how we continue, this is what I was talking about this morning, to innovate in multiple ways for the future, I think is what our point is and it's what our mandate is to do. Uh, so with that said, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, but thank you so much again uh, for this hour. Uh, we'll be back here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Ah, you see, you, I see what you, I see what you had a Batman analogy. I see what you did there. And also on a, on a, on a side note, I feel like Mike is like, is like a cross between like Jim Carrey's Riddler and then uh, Tommy Lee Jones is uh, two face. I can yeah. see that. You see, you, yeah, yeah. I, I could, I could see that. It's I see something that. in there. I can. It's, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> some, some, somewhere in the shallow la 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 la. Anyway, thank y'all. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, please tune in and please like us on social media if you want more of in the hunt. Thank you. Thank you.